Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and welcome to On the Money, uh, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm the moderator of the show and happen to be president over at Embassy National Bank. And as you know, On the Money uh, uh, has shows that promotes educating small business owners just how to do better. So um, as if you've listened to the show in the past, we are on a wide range of subjects all about educating you, the small business owner. Um, today uh, should be a really good show today. We've got Mr. Mark Butler from the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. He's the area director uh, located in, in Lawrenceville. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, Mark, tell us about the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. Okay. The Small Business Development Center is actually, it's part of a network. It's the, uh, the Georgia Network of Small Business Development Centers. There are 17 offices around the state. And we are one of those offices located here in Gwinnett. We support Gwinnett and Forsyth County. And the Small Business Development Center is essentially, it has a, a very straightforward mission and objective. And the mission statement literally reads that our goal is to enhance the economic well-being of Georgians by providing a wide range of uh, consulting and educational services to both the aspiring entrepreneur and the existing business owner. How did the... I was not aware that University of Georgia did this. When did all this start? Well, that's a great question. And unfortunately, we're one of the best kept secrets oftentimes when it comes to supporting small business owners. But the the Small Business Development Center basically had its impetus or it started approximately 30 years ago. It was modeled after the Agricultural Extension Office or the Agricultural Extension Model, whereby some folks who were looking at what was being done with that and said, well, why don't we come up with a similar tool or similar service for the small business owner? So that was the beginning of it. And actually, Georgia was one of the initial states to launch a, a development center or a program such as that. And there is now a small business development center network in every state. In every state for by the by the state university or it was in some way, form or fashion affiliated with the state university system here in Georgia, we are part of the University System of Georgia, but with the University of Georgia being the, the lead in that. I got you. And the office here in Gwinnett, we are actually part of the public service and public outreach arm of the University of Georgia. So we carry a University of Georgia badge on our office. Okay. And um, is all this funded through the, the educational system, or how does that work? How does the funding work? Well, it's a good question. We actually have three stakeholders within the Small Business Development Center, and those stakeholders do somewhat kind of tie to the funding as well. Uh, first and foremost, the University of Georgia provides funding for the program as, and, and from a, a primary standpoint as well as from a, a, a goal standpoint for us as well. But we also receive funding from the Small Business Administration as well. You do? Okay. So that's one of our stakeholders. Uh, we don't receive funding, but our third stakeholder is the, uh, the ASBDC, which is our accrediting or accreditation agency that pro oversees the structure of the program and so forth. But the funding is through the University of Georgia, uh, the University of Georgia, and the University of Georgia system, as well as the SBA. Um, ASBDC. What does that stand for? Uh, American Small Business Development Center. Okay, so that's this the a, accreditation. You said. Yeah, the accreditation agency. 
So if anybody listening from out of state, they need to make sure that the whatever development center they're in is is accredited by them. Well, it, it it's the association of the small business development centers, and it's essentially the accreditation agency that allows you to carry their logo and essentially function and operate as a small business okay. development center. Are you tied in through the to the Terry School of Business? Well, we are, we're separate. We're part of the public service and public outreach arm of the University of Georgia, which is a distinct unit of the university. Uh, we do provide continuing education, but it's adult education, and it's education geared towards the aspiring entrepreneur and the existing business owner. So none of the classes that we offer will technically provide you any credit or get you any closer to a degree through the university. Okay, and uh, are you tied in at all with the other schools like Georgia State, Georgia Tech? Right. As you go around the state of Georgia and you see the SBDC locations, what you'll see is, depending on where they are located, they're affiliated or associated with a member of the university system of Georgia. So, for instance, our office in Kennesaw will be affiliated with Kennesaw State University. Our office in uh, in the center of Atlanta is affiliated with Georgia State and so forth. Okay. And Georgia Tech doesn't have them anywhere or...? Uh, you know, Georgia Tech has its own program, yeah, so uh, they have their, uh, you know, uh, innovation uh, initiative, and that's where you'll see things that roll up under there, such as their Advanced Technology Center and so forth. Okay. Um, what should the, how does a small business owner avail themselves of your services? What's that like? What, what do they have to do? Right. That's a good question. We, um, we serve a wide range of business owners. The only real kind of initial requirement that we ask of uh, folks that are looking to take advantage of the SBDC is those that are not yet in business. And what we're asking from them is that they have settled on an idea, they have identified the product or service that they would like to be engaged in, and are beginning to start the process of starting their business. If they're still in the idea stage, if they're still evaluating possible businesses, kicking the tires, so to speak, then they're not a candidate for SBDC services. So uh, those folks that are in that category are able to take advantage of our, our services, and we generally send them through our how to start a business class initially, which does a lot of that plumbing basics, nuts and bolts about getting your business started. But if you are an existing business, then you are certainly you are entitled to take advantage of our services. And we follow the definition of a small business that the SBA does. Okay. So as long as you fit that definition, you can take advantages of the services of the SBDC. Okay. And the SBA, um, now do you follow the, the, uh, with the liquidity test? Do you follow the industry test? There are several different tests, I guess. We follow essentially three very simple tests. First of all, you need to be engaged in a for-profit activity. Yep. You need to be doing something legal. Yep. And you need to fit the size metrics identified for your particular industry by the SBA. All right. So it, it doesn't – we have a whole – as a banker that lends into SBA, we have – there's a whole set of eligibility questions, but I guess that doesn't fit what you're looking for. Right. Okay. The only thing – if you're an existing business, the really the only thing that we're targeting is to just make sure you're not so large that you could – that you have the resources to recruit sure. and pay for. Because one of the things that uh, you know I need to make sure that I'm clear on is – the consulting services, which is the bulk of what we provide, one-on-one -on -one individual um, confidential consulting services, we provide those at no charge to the aspiring entrepreneur or the business owner. Wow. So, um, and the classroom, is there a charge for that? 
We do have nominal charges for our continuing education classes. That's generally so that we can kind of recoup our costs sure. associated with providing those classes. But the continuing education is provided throughout the year, and it's generally on. We have some programs that we run annually or every year that are just quality programs that we've developed and we know that work for the business owners. But a lot of it is also unique, very cute, targeted subject material that you know we just feel is timely and appropriate for the marketplace. Um, when they, when someone comes to you and let's say you figure out where they want to, where you should plug them in, is it the, is it the small business? Is it the big business? Um, uh, is it, who, who do you cater the best to, I guess is the question. Well, you know, that's a good question. We get asked that a lot and it's really, it's across a wide range of both business types, industries that they serve and also sizes of the business, you know, and it's. It's one of the pleasures of the job when you sit on the side of the table that I do is that one minute you're talking to a, a very small business who's trying to run a very straightforward organization, and then the next minute you're talking to a very sophisticated business who has a very unique and sophisticated problem. So it's, uh, you know, we're able to, we span the gamut. We, we try to support as many types of organizations as we can across industry types. And like I said, as long as you're under that size threshold, you're a candidate for our services. How did you get involved in this? What's your background? Uh, well, my background is, uh, answering first, I got involved. I saw, literally saw an advertisement for a business consultant position with the SBDC. And the more I read the job description, the more I thought, that really sounds like a fantastic job. I, I have got to see if I can pursue this. Mm -hmm. It's a service role. I mean, it is a giving back to the community. It's assisting the small business owner. And it's, it's a way to transfer the knowledge that I've gained through, through my career and experience onto these individuals, which, you know, leads me to my background. I, it, as you will find with most of the consultants in the SBDC network, we all have a master's degree in business, but we also have multiple years of experience either operating or owning and running our own business. So it's an opportunity to kind of blend that academic background, the academic training with a little bit of that pragmatic uh, experience and knowledge of heart that you've learned through the School of Hard Knocks and able to transfer that to the clients and the uh, system. Yeah, that's kind of what we try to do at the bank, by the way, is, mm -hmm. is, um, is give people, our board's very small business oriented they're all small business owners they've seen the ups they've seen the downs and so when we when we try to to help people out through lending them money or whatever we make them go through a process to make sure they know they can pay us back so right, right. it makes a big difference yeah. where did you get your degree university of georgia uh, I am an honorary member of the Bulldog Nation. Okay. Uh, my two degrees are from Texas A&M University, so uh, I have had to... So you're uh, an Aggie, then? I'm an Aggie. Okay. I'm an Aggie. Don't hold that against me. Are you from Texas? I am from Texas. Okay. Where in Texas? I'm from a town called Temple. It's between Waco Temple, and Austin. Texas. I grew up in the... It's, it's referred to as Central Texas. There's a ball player that went to Temple, that grew up in Temple. Temple is one of those extremely occupied with high school football type areas, okay. so okay. there's a number that have. All right, I know we're getting off track, but yeah. we like to, we like to have fun here. But uh, as I say, when do you go, when are you planning to move back for, to Texas? Because <laughs> I mean, all Texans want to move back, right? Well, you know, if you can't live in Texas, live in Georgia. All right, you know, I agree and, with and, that. And, and, I agree you know, with be, that. Be doing what I'm doing for a living, and it'll keep me here for a quite long time. Yeah. Well, good. Good. Um, what's the 
what's the biggest problem or the the most uh, the the uh, most frequent problem that you see a small business owner make? I, you know, if it's an existing business, I think one of the the more common problems, and I'm sure you can probably you know, empathize or sympathize with this as well, is they've been in operation for a number of years. They've experienced rapid growth, a lot of success, and then all of a sudden things have plateaued. And they just, they feel like they've hit a ceiling. They're frustrated. They're like, well, everything that I was doing before has worked. Why is it no longer working? And they come in and they sit down. And after having a conversation with them, you ask, well, okay, well, let me ask you, you know, who handles your marketing? Well, that's, that's me. Okay, well, who handles your back office and your account? Well, I, I oversee that. Okay, who does the hiring and the firing? And so, oh, that's that's me. I'm, I'm involved in that. Well, who, who handles the production of the product? Oh, that's me. And then you soon find, well, that's your issue. You are too much and too integral to every aspect of the business, and only one person can scale to a certain level. So they have maxed out on what they're able to deliver and provide to the business, and it's plateaued. So the conversation then gets to around, well, we've got to teach you and you've got to learn how to let go. You've got to learn to delegate, hire the right people, get them involved, and start turning over some of those responsibilities to others so that you can do what is needed most in the business. And I borrow a term from real estate, you've got to get to your highest and best use, which is moving the business forward, not taking care of all of the nuts and bolts of the business. Now, the nature of an entrepreneur is to be a self-starter, learn how to work alone, all that kind of thing. So that's a pretty difficult transition, isn't it? It is a very difficult transition, which is why they have found themselves in that position. It's, I don't think when you have that conversation that you really surprise them too much with what the issue is. I think it's just they need to hear from someone else that that's the point they've reached and they need to start learning how to let go and let other people take the reins. What's the biggest obstacle that you find to letting go that they'll bring up as an excuse? It's just fear that it won't be done right. And what you have to let them know is, well, it may not be done the way that you would do it, but that doesn't mean it won't be done right and it won't be successful. So they've got to put their faith in the people that they're hiring and bringing on their team and they've got to start to let go. Otherwise, they're just going to have to learn to live with the flat line and the revenue stream that they're in. Okay. Uh, you're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is uh, Joe Moss, and uh, we're talking with Mark Butler, who is the area director for the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. Um, and we're having a real good discussion about some of the, uh, at this point, some of the mistakes that small business owners make. Um, you mentioned the, uh, we, were, we were talking about adding people. Do you coach on what kind of people to add, what to look for? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the, in terms of the services that we provide at the SBDC, I mean, it, it runs the gamut. It's pretty much whatever the small business owner feels like they need assistance with. And oftentimes it is hiring and they do struggle with, well, where do I find those people? You know, what type of job description do I write? What am I looking for? What should I be expecting to pay? And then when they get on board, what, how do I kind of govern and, and guide their activities after that? So, we do have a lot of those conversations, and it is, 
it's surprising how much or how many small business owners struggle with the concept of hiring and at least hiring people at a what you would deem to be a very critical position in their organization. How often does a small business owner come in thinking they've got one problem and they actually have a different problem? Uh, you know, and that is one of the that's it's quite common, and that is one of the things that we on the side of the table that we sit on we have to understand and appreciate. And that is we have to ask a lot of questions. We have to be a little bit of a detective. We have to go through the process of trying to get the information out of them. Because you're right, a lot of times they will think they have one problem when in reality they have another. Uh, you know, the, for instance, a lot of them will talk about, well, I need to grow my, I need to grow my sales. I need, you know, I need to do more advertising. I just need to do more, more on that front. And what you find out is really they don't have a problem generating leads. What they have a problem is closing the deals. And so if they just continue to spend more money on advertising, they're going to be wasting money until mm -hmm. they figure out what is, in fact, broken in the close process. And that really is their issue. We had a, a discussion a couple of weeks ago with a gentleman uh, who was a former IBMer back in the day when it was really big blue. Mm -hmm. And he would coach people on the point of sale. Uh, and the point, we determined point of sale is so important to learn. And that everything has, every business, every product has a point in sale, point of sale. And you've got to determine where that is and how to go about making sure that you close that sale. Right, right. And that's, you know, it, it's something that, you know, I had to focus on when I had my own business. And it's something that I would coach my employees on and I'd educate them on. Look, here is the amount of effort and expense that went in to get these people to walk in the door. You know, and that's not the end of the process. Mm -hmm. We now have to make sure that we finish and close. And that is something that, you know, in today's time, and it, it's a difficult, it's a challenge for a small business is to be successful in generating those leads with all of the noise and the challenge and, and advertising and trying to get your voice and your, your business recognized. If you're going to go through that struggle and do be, and you are going to be successful in getting those people in the door, then yes, by all means, finish it off and close the deal. Now, do you counsel on uh, how to financially structure a business? We we do. We we counsel on particularly with a startup. Uh, from that standpoint, a lot of startups, of course, need capital to get launched and get active. And we go through the counseling process of letting them know what are what are the options. Uh, oftentimes, they're initially thinking about a loan, uh, but it's part of our responsibility to not only walk through the specifics of the loan process, but to also educate them on and make sure they have the right expectations about what the likelihood of getting a loan is. Oftentimes, a loan is not necessarily what will happen or be a best fit for their business. So we also talk about potential equity arrangements, seeking investors. And, of course, uh, as you know, a lot of individual or small businesses plain and simply get started by bootstrapping. They just have to self-fund their operation, and we talk them through that as well. Yeah, that's, the, that's usually the best way to do it because you don't have anybody to pay back at that point. That's true. That's but it, true. Takes, uh, it takes a lot of um, – uh, it takes a pretty big profit margin and a lot of success right out of the gate in order to be able to do that. It takes a lot of patience as well. And understanding that it does take time. You know, not all businesses are profitable immediately. And part of that initial process in counseling is we like to walk them through the business plan process. And it's not so much that we're trying to get to the point to where we have a printed document that they can put on the shelf and be proud of. It's the analysis that they need to go through to, uh, to essentially compile that business plan. But an important part of it is the financials or the projections. 
And it's partly to illustrate and, and let them know that, you know, it will take some time before this business turns positive. And you need to ask yourself, can you hang on? Do you have the cash reserves to, to accommodate that? And more importantly, as I often ask them, do you have the emotional fortitude to hang on for that as well? Because the early stages of operating a new business is about writing more checks than you cash, and that can wear on you over time. What have you seen to be the real keys to success? The keys to success in terms of starting a business, and really this is where the SBDC comes into play, is making sure you do your homework. Uh, if, a, if a new business, there's a lot of reasons why new businesses fail, but essentially you can boil it down to three things. First of all, they either o overestimated their market, they perhaps underestimated their competition, and then finally they undercapitalized their business. If you do your homework up front, you're liable to not fail on those three fronts, take those three swings and a miss. You need to fully understand your market. You need to do the analysis and the research, particularly getting down to who your target market is and understanding them quite well. You then need to understand your competition. And unfortunately, a lot of business owners or aspiring business owners think that means you just need to count them. Well, you need to count them and then you need to quantify them and assess them as well. And then finally, you need to make sure you have the right amount of capital and capital reserves to get the business going. So if you can address those three fronts, do your homework up front, do the analysis, and, and really, as you're doing that, pay attention to the information that you're uncovering. Process it and hear it for what it is, and then make the decisions going forward. Do you run into analysis paralysis a lot or no? You know, we probably run into the other, is let's get through this as quickly as I can, let's get the doors open. And I think that's where the challenge for us is, is to put the brakes on a little bit and make sure that they are looking at the right information and so forth. Uh, paralysis, or, paralysis by analysis is not really something that we deal with before. And if you see that, what that's telling me is they're not ready. They, they are, they need to con they're, they're not ready to pull the trigger and go forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what about uh, someone from... A mistake we see, and I want you to comment on this, is uh, someone leaving a corporate job with a nice 401k, IRA, or whatever, and then going to a completely different business. Um, how, do you, how do you counsel somebody like that? Uh, well, there's a couple ways to go about it. Uh, you can do the numbers approach, which says that if you are going to seek a loan, at least from a lending institution, that that's probably going to be held against you the fact that you do not have direct or transferable experience into this new initiative that you're looking to start. The other thing, too, and this is from my own personal experience, and I know a lot of the SBDC consultants have this as well, is just have that real direct conversation about do you fully understand what it is you're about to embark upon. There's a lot of misconceptions about owning and operating your own business, and unfortunately, they are all in the positive, and very few of them lead you to the understanding of what the realities of it are. You know, there's not going to be someone who's going to come and fix the copier like it was at the, at the corporate office. Someone's not going to just magically make sure all the office supplies are there and the lights stay on and the bills are paid. All those responsibilities are yours. And it is a new skin that you're crawling into, and it's a completely new experience, and you need to be braced for it. And not only do you need to be ready for it, but the people in your life need to be ready for it as well because they're going to be involved either directly or indirectly as well. Do you handle uh, instances after the fact where they, they've come back and said, you know what, I made a mistake? 
Well, we do have a, you know, a lot of times we have folks who are coming into the SBDC and they've, they've tried everything that they know how and they're, they're kind of on their last leg, so to speak, and they're just looking for something. And the unfortunate thing is at that point, generally, there's just, it's too far along for us to really do much. You know, the time to seek help was long, long before that. Uh, you know, and, and in those instances, all you can do is really point out what their options are going forward and how to, you know, mm -hmm. as they say, you know, stop digging the hole and, and, and make it as easy on you yourself as possible. So we do see those. Fortunately, what we're seeing is a lot of great clients who are just, you know, willing to ask the questions, seek the information and, and do the homework that is required to, to uh, move their business forward. You're listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. This is Joe Moss. We're having a real good conversation today with Mark Butler, who is the area director for the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. And uh, Mark's group counsels uh, uh, individuals and, and people that want to start their own business um, or they're in a business and need some help getting to the next level. And... Um, Hearing some real good thoughts. Mark, I want to ask you this. What about the concept of uh, uh, buying versus starting, you know, um, build or acquire or, you know, the, the two differences? Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the aspiring entrepreneurs that come in, they're thinking start. They want to start from scratch. They want it to be their creation and their baby. And, you know, a lot of times that we do have the discussion, and at least I know I do, and that is, you know, buying an existing business is a, a, a fantastic option and alternative. Um, at least you get to know very much from the beginning what it is you've got and what you're going to be working with. A lot of the kinks and a lot of the issues have been addressed before you, perhaps. So uh, we don't see buying as much as I think we should or I would like for us to see. Uh, and I understand that. You know, there's the, the fascination and the, and the desire to create something solely of your own. Um, but I think we're starting to see more of it. I think the, the market for selling businesses is improving. I think it's opening back up. I think we're going to see more people willing to entertain and buying a new business. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're getting in a position where they can actually execute the deals. I think more business owners are starting to open their businesses for sale as well. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about that in on this program. And, you know, one of the risks that you have is to make sure you uh, are able to transfer the knowledge out of the head of the person that owns the business. Right. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. But sometimes that business, sometimes the business you're buying has not been through your consulting process. So, therefore, they have not learned to let go and transfer all that value into the business. Mm -hmm. So do you guys invest in companies? No, we do not. We ourselves are a nonprofit. So we are strictly uh, educational and a consulting or counseling uh, organization. Do you have uh, a network of people that have asked to invest that you refer people to? Or you try to stay away from that? Well, no. What we do is, uh, as part of our role at the SBDC in, in guiding either uh, existing business owners or people looking to get into business, and in terms of guiding them to sources of capital, whether it be lenders or equity investors as well, you know, we maintain a network, we establish connections and or, you know, a list of sources that we can send people to. Uh, so, and, you know, there's no real connection. There's nothing that we get out of it. It's just the benefit to the client. So we do stay abreast of that. We try and stay on top of all the 
potential capital sources that our you know clients could take advantage of. Um, what kind of uh, this probably ebbs and flows, but but right now, what kind of um, types of businesses uh, do you see? Are, are people asking for help in? Is it is there a greater percentage within a certain industry? Um, how do, what does that does that change? You, you know, what's everybody looking for these days? Well, you know, I'm asked that a lot. Is you know, and and I'm certainly sitting there at sometimes thinking, well, I'd like to find the next great, <laughs> great op- opportunity as well. But it really it spans the spectrum, and it's um, you know, when clients come into the SBDC, particularly with those that are looking to start a business, you know, they I, I tell people they fall into one of three buckets, and. You know, with the state of the economy improving, it's still not exactly where we would like it to be. So we we have those folks that are coming in and looking to create a job for themselves. They've suffered some sort of setback in their employment history, and they just want to uh, find a way to stay employed, and they want to create a job for themselves. The second ones, the second bucket is a, consists of folks who are employed but just don't like the label of being an employee and, and feel that employment doesn't fit for them. So they're looking to start a business and, and be their own boss. And then you will get that third category or bucket of folks that really have a unique idea and they have a vision and they want to be, they want to create something really new and different. And that typically who gets the entrepreneur label, but they all three are entrepreneurs. They're all trying to start a business. So they fall into one of those three categories. I would say the first two is really the more common of what we deal with. It's simply people that are just trying to find a way to support themselves and their family, and they want to start a business that they feel is viable and can sustain themselves for quite some time. I would suggest, I would think, now you probably prove me wrong, but number two is probably the group that has the most trouble, employed but kind of tired of what they're doing. Yeah, sometimes their frustration gets the better of them. And, you know, and and again, this gets back to we teach a how to start a business class. And the first 20 minutes of that class, I spend telling them, you know, do you understand again what you're getting into? Do you know what it means to be a small business owner? And don't ever forget that one of the beautiful things about being an employee is you know what the deposit is in your checking account every two weeks. Correct. As a business owner, you don't know what that deposit is going to be. You are the last one to get paid. And sometimes you don't get paid. So you need to take that into consideration and make sure that, you know, you have the personality and the mindset for that. And I share with them that, you know, I know folks that are extremely successful people. They're very good at what they do. And I think they would be great business owners. But when I talk to them, they look at me and say, Mark, there is no way I would ever own and operate my own business. It's not a knock against their character. It's not an indictment of their capabilities. It's just that they have the wherewithal and the self-awareness of that that's just not for them. Um, what my, what uh, skill set, I guess, do you see the most uh, successful small business owners having? Do they tend to be more sales-oriented? Do they tend to be more accounting or operational or efficiency-oriented, or is it across the board? You know, I would often say that I think there's a certain skill set that really serves you well in the beginning, and then you need to change that skill set as your business becomes successful. I think first and foremost, you've just got to have a certain level of tenacity. You're just going to have to be willing to keep going, and because there are going to be setbacks, and you're going to have to be comfortable with that, and you're just going to find a way to fight through them. 
I think the number one thing that will help you early on is your ability to be a little bit of a salesman, be a little bit of an extrovert, and get out and do the, the, the networking and the shaking the hands and introducing yourself and your business to other people. I think that's where a lot of people are going to struggle. And I know when I had my own business that, you know, one of the concerns that everybody around me had was that, Mark, you're not really an extrovert. And I said, well, I'm just going to have to find a way to become one. And you just have to force yourself to do that. Now, as the business grows and matures, sometimes you need a different set of skill set. You need a little bit more of the managerial and the oversight and the structure that you can bring to your business. Do you um, make it easy to, to network among industries? You know, what we do is, uh, and I'll, I'll give a plug here, we encourage a lot of our, at least I know I do, I encourage a lot of my clients to participate in things such as the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce. I think those type formats or platforms are fantastic for them, and they do need to network. They do need to go out, and they do need to go to the events, and they need to mingle and share business cards. The SBDC possibly could facilitate that, but that's not really something that we do, you know, is kind of within the heart of our charter. You know, our charter is back to the counseling, coaching, and educating. Um, it, I would think, though, that if, if someone comes in and he's been, uh, I don't know, they've been with AT&T, um, want to move on, um, uh, and then they decide, I want to buy a florist, um, do you, do you, I guess you would probably encourage them to go talk with other florists. Oh, absolutely. To see, wait a minute, what is this business really like? Right. Not only would I encourage them to go talk to other florists, I would encourage them to go talk to just several business owners and just ask them, and even if they're not even in related industries, because you will hear the commonalities as you talk to more and more business owners about what are the common struggles and what are the common areas of success and drivers of success. But absolutely, yeah, I would encourage them to do that. Um, you got to tell me, what business did you have before? I was in the taxes, tax and financial services. Yeah, okay, good. That's what I thought. That's what I felt coming across. That's where I'm oh, from, no. too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I should just say that it really does take all types to be able to operate a small business. I mean, you're right. I mean, even in your line of work, you're very probably very good analytically but uh, you know everybody's got to have a sales hat mm -hmm. absolutely you know and everybody's got to learn how to deal with other people right and um and then you got the old uh the old axiom that you know the cobbler's children have no shoes where uh you know the accountant sometimes has the messiest books you know which is well, in case the IRS is listening, yes, my tax returns were solid and they were straight <laughs> squared away. But uh, no, you're right, and it's you can't. And, and the thing we tell people, look, I, I do not have a crystal ball. I cannot tell you whether your business idea will work. And no, I cannot give you the magic personality construct or formula that it's going to take to be successful. But you are going to have to get out of your comfort zone, perhaps, if you are not an extrovert. You're going to have to learn to sell. And I tell people, look, if someone will stand still for five seconds, take the opportunity to tell them who you are and what you do. You never know where that will lead. Well, we keep coming back at, on this show to this word, Mike, that we, uh, we hear all the time. It's uh, called customer. And, uh, man, if you don't have customers, <laughs> you might as well go somewhere else. Right. You have a hobby. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
do you counsel at all on uh, you mentioned a little bit about funding but what about all these uh, alternative funding uh, scenarios that are out there now right. do you try to help people through all that we do and you know one of the things that we are really uh, geared towards and our objective is to get the the client matched to the best source of funding for their needs and for their business and a lot of times that is an alternative source of financing. If they are an existing business, you know, there are options that they have. If they have accounts receivables, you know, perhaps they can, you know, do something with those, do a little bit of factoring. If they've got contracts or purchase orders in-house and they need financing, they can leverage those as well. In um, some of the more evolving, you know, uh, lending platforms or equity platforms such as crowdfunding and so forth, you know, we look at those as well. We've got a client or two that may be a good fit for something through that, that platform. So our job is to get them to the best source of capital for their needs in the, in the least expensive manner to do so. Yeah, the crowdfunding is something that uh, I'm old school, so it's kind of hard for me to get my head around the fact that I'm just going to hand over some money uh, to help somebody get started without some expectation of a significant return. But crowdfunding is, has caught on. I mean, a lot of people just say, all right, for 50 bucks, I'll make sure you get the first piece of product that rolls off the line. Right, right. Uh, and uh, there may be value, but you might be overpaying for it, too. But. Well, and that's just it. I, you know, crowdfunding has its place. And on the funding side or the investment side, you're right, the risk is minimal because the investment is minimal. You're, you're only giving small amounts to these organizations. But you know, the counsel that we provide in a crowdfunding standpoint is you've got to be unique. You know, you've got to have a different story. You've got to be able to latch on to that audience that's going to be on that platform looking to support that type of thing. If you're looking to open a pizza shop, that's probably not the platform. If you are, an, you know, a unique artist or you've got a unique product or you're trying to sell something that has a very much of a niche appeal, perhaps the crowdfunding platforms is a place for you to gain that audience and gain that interest. And you're right. I mean, it's you, you have two options. Either you can offer a reward, which oftentimes looks a little bit like just advanced sales of your product. The other is to offer an equity or an ownership position. I think most of the organizations that are going crowdfunding, though, are going down the reward path as opposed to the equity path. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and uh, it, like I said, this, boy, I uh, really like it for the not-for-profit kind of concept. Um where it uh, really appeals to the, um, you know, every, everybody's looking to take care of something a little bit bigger than themselves, mm -hmm. and it really appeals to that. Um, but like I said, I'm, I tend to be so old school with all that stuff, it's hard for me to imagine what kind of plan I would put together to do crowdfunding. Well, if you're going to go down the crowdfunding route, you're going to really you need to do the advanced work, and you're going to do it via social media. You're yeah. going to have to build a following and build an interest in what it is that you're trying to do. So you're going to have to be very social media savvy uh, because you're crowdfunding or you're going to launch a, a program or you're going to launch a campaign, and it's at most going to last for 30 days. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to have some pent-up demand when you kick that off, and you're going to leverage that to do so. But, uh, you know, the thing that the, we tell people and I counsel people is whether it's crowdfunding or alternative financing, lending or equity, you just you've got to have the right expectations. You've got to understand what it is you're embarking on. And you also have to understand that, you know, more requests to go unfilled than those that do get, you know, the money or the, the, the capital that they need. So have the right expectations, do your homework and be prepared for what, what lies ahead and what you're going to have to be in a position to provide.
One last thing I want to ask you about, and then we'll kind of move this. Gosh, I can't believe we're we always have so so much fun on these things. We run out of time, but um, I'm a small business person. They come to me. They come to you, and they say, you know, I want to borrow money from this guy. Or I want these people to invest in me or whatever. But they want this business plan. Why do I have to do all this analytical? Write it down. Why can't I just get a check? Yeah. Well, the thing that we tell them is, yeah, you know, anyone who takes an interest in your business is probably going to request your business plan. Certainly, if you're seeking a loan, the, the lender is going to request a business plan, an investor is going to request a business plan. Your landlord, if you're an unknown quantity, may request your business plan. Some of your vendors and suppliers may request your business sure. plan. So writing a business plan in and of itself is never a waste or, a, 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 you know, a, a not, a, not, a bad, or not a good idea. What we tell people is it's not so much, again, it's not the value in what gets printed. It's in the process that you go through. It's the analysis that you have to do. It's the questions, the hard questions you have to ask yourself, and then the decisions you have to make against the, that information and those questions. That's where the value lies. So we always encourage them to do that. It's a benefit to themselves. You know, will they pull it out 18, 24 months later and go, boy, I did everything exactly with my business plan? No. But it does give them something to start with and something to make those initial decisions against because of the assumptions and the analysis that they did. Well, it's a good thought piece for the individual. But they also need to know it's a really good advertising tool. Um, because if I'm an investor and I've invested in certain things, the amount of time you spend in thought on your business plan and then – uh, the amount of time you spend in in presenting it mm. and what it looks like is also important. Right. Um, I think it's it's very important that you are able to convey exactly what your business is, what your value proposition is, and how you differentiate yourself from your competition in a very clear and succinct manner. And if you haven't gone through the process of writing your business plan, you're not going to be able to do that. And if I'm sitting across the table from you, either contemplating lending you money or investing money in your organization, and you can't get to those points rather quickly with me, then you're, you're going to lose my interest. I'm, I'm going to move to the next opportunity. Good point, because uh, you know, they talk about the elevator conversation. I mean, that is, unfortunately, the, the length of, of, of our attention span. Right. And, you know, we've got so many different opportunities out there. Um, that uh, you, you've got to be quick, you got to be succinct, and uh, hey, you got to be on the money, man. Um, now, the other thing that we've had other people talk about was uh, passion. You know, the business plan allows you to show that you've thought it through. It's a nice presentation tool, and I think you know to PowerPoint it, to do it overhead, spend the time to make it pretty, because you could do a great job in the thinking. But if you haven't presented it correctly, you might as well wasted your time. Right. So take the time to make it presentable and also very, very succinct in terms of what the message you're trying to get across. Um, but uh, show your passion. Exactly. Passion does sell. Exactly. I mean, if I've got someone who's very knowledgeable, uh, let's say, uh, you know, use, use you for an example. If, if uh, someone comes in and says, I want to borrow money and I want to start my own tax service, um, you may show that you're very competent with all tax rules, but if you don't have any passion, 
you know, it's going to be tough for me to get excited too. Right. And, you know, the passion is, is critical not only in the initial stages when you're trying to convey what it is your business is going to do or what you're going to do with your business and seeking the capital that you need, but that passion is going to be critical six, eight, 10, 12 months down the road when the issues start coming and the challenges are coming. Right. And if the passion is not there, you're really going to start thinking about folding your tent long before you should. You touched on something that I think is very, very important because um, I see it every day. Um, among younger kids, I hate to call them kids, the younger adults. Um, An embassy national bank is a small business. We have a staff of 17 people. Um, For example, though, before I came here, I had to scan two documents. Last week, I had to make a set of my own copies for the board report and strategic retreat. So you've got to take that old mantra off that I just don't want to get my hands dirty because if you go into it not wanting to get your hands dirty you're probably going to fail right right and that is you know mentioned it earlier Joe your question was say you've got someone who's coming from a corporate position down to opening and starting a small business and I think that's one of the early disconnects for a lot of those folks is that support network is not behind you you know you are it and I, I talk about when I started my own business, the day that I glued the, the men's sign on the bathroom door, I knew I, this was it. I, was, I had to do everything. You had to do and, everything. And that was... Uh, and that night when you had to clean it, too. When I had to clean it and go run out and get more paper towels. <laughs> right. uh, no, and it's, you're it. I mean, and if something's going to get done, particularly in the early stages, it's going to be you. And you're going to have to be comfortable with that. And that's why I tell them, it's not all about glamour. It's not all about excitement. You know, it's not about setting your own schedule uh, because your customers and your suppliers and your landlord and so forth, they're, they're the ones that are going to set your schedule. Well, I have an a interview question that people kind of slough off, but it's the most important question I ask. When I'm talking to uh, someone with an MBA, they're getting, getting you know, they want to start with the company or whatever. And, um, and by the way, I think young people today, for the most part, they're as smart as they can be. They're energetic. And for the most part, they just want to get in and get their hands dirty. But the question I ask is, what's your response going to be when I ask you to make some copies for me? And depending on the look on their face is whether they get the job or not. Not what they say, but the actual look on their face. And some people look at me and go, what? Um, you know, you won't get the job. Other ones said, I'll be glad to do it. Then fine. You know, and that's how we all had to start, right? Right, right. Well, Joe, you do need to be careful because they may not want to. They may not understand why you need to make a copy. <laughs> <Today's> <laughs> they may say with technology, well, you why to scan something? Why right? do we even have paper? <laughs> I know. Um, well, listen, we've uh, we've got to the end of our time here, and uh, I can assure you, Mark, that we're going to do this again because we've yeah, only touched you. on uh, touched on some things. Uh, what I want to do is bring you back with one of our SBA lenders, and we're going to talk through the whole funding thing and more right. of a panel type thing. So, um, But anyway, it's been great talking. Mark, tell everybody where they can get a hold of you because I think uh, what you do is great work. Fantastic. Uh, we have a website, www.georgiasbdc.org. That is Georgia spelled out. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, we can find us on Facebook slash Gwinnett SBDC. And if you go to the Georgia SBDC website and you're in the Gwinnett, Forsyth County area, go to the Locations tab and you can find where we're located. We're at the intersection of 85 and Old Peachtree Road, and we're actually on 
the campus of University of Georgia Gwinnett. Okay, and to someone to get started, what do they do? Just call and get an appointment? Just call and get an appointment, and we'll go from there. Okay, well, great. Um, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having uh, me. Again, Mark Butler with the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. And I've been doing business in Atlanta for over 35 years, and I didn't even know you were there. I didn't even know this existed. Well, now you do. Come on over and yeah, see us. I want, we, Embassy's going to help, by the way. We're, I'm signing up right now. Fantastic. Anyway, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. Uh, and uh, this is Joe Moss, and we're signing off for now. And uh, just remember, everybody, be careful out there. See you next time. Thanks.